This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Orange Hatter. Today, you're listening to part two of my conversation with Nancy of Tanzania. You had mentioned that you both put in the same amount into your. It sounds like it's a joint account, but you put in different amounts, and you're somehow tracking it. And your amount was staying the same, but his amount was going up. And because、yeah. it was going up, he was able to use that difference to take you out somewhere nice. Yes, yes, that that's exactly what would happen. So we'd get our salaries that go into a joint fiat fiat account, and then from there we'd each get pocket money, say like two hundred dollars a month or two hundred and fifty dollars a month each. And then mine would run out, but because Don would invest his or he would buy Bitcoin, sometimes when it would go up, then he'd have a little extra change, and he'd be like, "Hey, let's do something nice with this."、Um, so that's what was happening with Don. And I was like, "I want whatever's happening with your two hundred and fifty dollars. I I want to know more about that. What's happening there?" Right. That is so cool. And you had mentioned that you in、uh, Tanzania you have a mobile spending account, but you.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you also mentioned that when you meet a certain amount, you can't put any more in. Can you explain that a little bit more?、Mm-hmm. So there,、um, there is a limit to how much money you can have in your in your mobile money. So, for example, my network is called Tigo. So the the app or the system is called Tigo Pesa. And at the time that Don and I were dating, the limit was one million shillings, which is about five hundred dollars, give or take. So there's a cap on how much money you can have at any time in that account. So once we we passed the five hundred dollar mark, we couldn't keep adding to our mobile money anymore. So it was why. Why、so、why is that? Why is there a limit to how much money you can put into a mobile account? That's a great question.、Um, my answer is is completely speculative.、Um, I'm guessing it's so that the government can like keep tracks of keep track of what people are spending their money on because with mobile money you can easily like I could just send you money without having to to、um, say what it was for or you know it, it's there's less explanation of where the money is going and I don't think that excites the government very much so they're like we need to keep tabs on everything that everyone's buying and how they're spending their money so this is the cap. On mobile money, you can't have more than this amount. I think they've changed it to three million now,、um, three million shillings, but it, it's it's still low. You can't get paid a salary to your mobile money either. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting that the government can put pressure like that on the way that you direct your money that you have earned yourself. Right. It's so frustrating. Or another thing that I used to find really silly is when we'd watch movies, and then you'd see I don't know, like somebody gets kidnapped, and then the kidnapper says, "Oh, you need to bring this and that ransom," and the person's got the money, but the bank doesn't let them take it out. That's frustrating. Yeah.、Um, so in Tanzania, because I don't, I personally don't know very much about Tanzania. I think most of the people. Who are listening probably don't know very much about Tanzania. Can you tell us just a little bit, sort of quick overview of what it's like living there in terms of just from the point of view of money? Like how how easy is it to to transact? You just mentioned that there's some level of government control in how much money can be moved, but、mm-hmm. from your point of view as a Tanzanian woman,、mm-hmm. why would the people of Tanzania even be interested in something like Bitcoin? What's happening there that you think? Might 
prompt them to be interested in Bitcoin, you think? Hmm. Okay, great question. So in terms of money and spending here, first of all, there's a, a huge, huge, huge gap between like um, the middle class and the lower class. You get people who are living on less than a dollar a day and like that's the majority of the population and then you've got the middle class which i would fall into and then you've got the upper class and again there's like a huge there's just like huge divides in between there mobile money makes it really really easy to spend it's really convenient um i use my money in my phone like so everywhere i go i can just take my phone with me i never have to have a wallet i never have to you know, carry anything else, which for me was the appeal of Bitcoin too, because when Don first showed me how to do it, he showed me that I could use my mobile money to buy Bitcoin through an app called Yellow Card. And although the process was um, a little bit long at first, once I got the hang of it, it, it felt easy. It felt like I don't have to now like go to a, a, a vendor or somebody and do any transactions. I think the pull for for Bitcoin in Tanzania, I can only speak personally. I think that it it feels like it finally gives us a chance to kind of level the the playing field. Um, yeah, it, it 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 gives a little bit of hope because honestly, otherwise it just it felt like there was no way to to stay afloat without just like kicking really hard and just getting tired of treading water. So the pull for Bitcoin, um, it gave us, it, it gives us hope. Like, okay, we can put our money into something that we believe is going to grow and it can't be taken away from us. You know, the government can't take it away from us. This is, this is ours. It actually is ours. Um, I think right now there's not a lot of accessibility to information about bitcoin in tanzania thing that i know i've had to learn through dawn it's not like you'd go to a place and they say oh yes we accept bitcoin here i haven't been to a single place that accepts bitcoin dawn has to do it through generating an online card and then connecting that to his bitcoin wallet and even speaking to my parents about it or speaking to my dad about it, there's still a lot of stigma attached to it. It's kind of like, what? Bitcoin? No, that's a scam. Like, um, sometimes I even feel embarrassed to say, oh, yeah, no, we, we have Bitcoin. It's kind of like, uh, what? What? You have what? That's a scam. Like, don't you know that's a scam? So from, from the ground here, I think there's a ways to go. The systems are in place. The, the fact that mobile money works so well would mean that people can can have access to Bitcoin because almost everyone here has a phone with mobile money. So if you can buy Bitcoin through mobile money, it would mean that the structures are already in place for Tanzanians to have access to Bitcoin. But it's just the, the, the education about it, uh, getting people to understand how it works or why it's even a good idea, removing the stigma that's attached to it. That would be the real hurdle. Yeah. So where you are, do you know any other local Bitcoiners at all? I do not know a single other Bitcoiner apart from Don. Okay. So 
so you guys also have a really unique background in that Don spent a lot of time in the UK, and so he speaks English, and a lot of the Bitcoin education material is in English, right? Yeah. So would the language barrier be part of the reason, or is it just more of a cultural thing, or it's just that people just accept their experience as something that's inevitable? What do you think? I think it's a mixture of things. I think Tanzania as a country, there's a background of, of socialism. And so it's kind of like, this is the way we do things. This is the, the, the rubric that you're supposed to follow. And let's all kind of follow the same thing. Let's not have too many people, you know, doing anything too different or too crazy. Um, so there's that. And then... I think that something that Don wants is to start translating some of the materials to Swahili. Actually thinking about it now, there is someone from his place of work that he met um, and they were just talking about, you know, money and how the salary is basically is barely covering his expenses. And so Don introduced him to to Bitcoin and introduced him to uh, Damas. And I've seen this other teacher on there now. Um, uh, you know, he's just, you know, getting a little, a little soft launch into understanding what it is. But yeah, I don't think there's a lot, there's a lot of material that would be accessible to the average Tanzanian. Bearing in mind that, yeah, there is a big group of us that speak English. Um, there's a big, big group of middle class people who who could access that material. But if you're talking about, you know, the man or the woman, like finding ways to educate them about Bitcoin, there are no programs that I know of that that cater to that. Now you guys are trying to make a difference though. You are looking at starting a school. You wanna talk a little bit about that project? Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so we're, we're moving to Arusha. Uh, closer to Kilimanjaro, um, we hope to start a school. I am currently teaching two kids, my friend's kids, and we thought it would be really nice to to open up our homeschool to other other families. Yeah, and really just grow it organically from there. And when we move to Arusha, Don is really, really looking to get into... Um, financial education, like just educating people about options that are out there. So, um, you know, it ties in with a school. I was, when we spoke, I was asking you about what kind of curriculums out there to teach kids about business and um, things like that, because I think uh, educate, I know that education needs to be holistic. So I would want the kids to be learning about things like this from school, from an early age, like, so that when they're my age, it doesn't feel like, oh my goodness, no, what is all this technology and what is all this stuff, you know, so that they're not afraid of understanding it or they're, they're not scared to, to try it out. I mean, that sounds really wonderful. And I think that's really needed all over the world in every city, really. Can you tell me why um, you guys chose to go to that particular location? So it almost sounds crazy when I talk about it. Long story short, there were just several things 
we believe God put in place to just like usher us into that direction. One of the things that happened, so first of all, I'm the kids that I teach, um, their dad lives in Arusha. And so I went to visit them. I went to teach them at their dad's house for two weeks. And I just, I fell in love with the place. I was like, Don, this place is so awesome. It's so beautiful. It's green. It's small. It's, it's like, oh man, it's not a whole bunch of big buildings and big roads. It's just, it was really beautiful, the part that I, I visited. And so it was kind of, it was kind of a, oh, I love this place. Okay, this is nice, but would would never move there. And then when we got back, our landlord decided to up our rent by 50%. So we had a one-year contract that was ending in February of this year. So, and then I think, I want to say in, in December, if I'm not mistaken, he said, right, next year, the rent is going up by 50%. You know, if you don't like it, tough. And again, because it's been so hard to save, it was like, okay, well, what what are we supposed to do? Our salary is not going to go up by 50%, you know? Price of food is not going to go down by 50%. So you want us to be pulling this money from somewhere and, you know, it, it doesn't feel like that's something we can do. And so I shared with friend Angela, who's the lady whose kids I teach, we were just you know, praying together. And I was like, oh yeah, here's a prayer point. This is what the landlord's doing. And she's like, you know what? Why don't you move to Arusha? We have a house there that we could start a school in. And she was like, oh, well, it's just, it's just a crazy idea, you know? And I was like, wait, it is a crazy idea, but it sounds really nice. I've always known I want to homeschool my daughter. Why not? Like, this is the perfect time to, to try. And that's, that's pretty much what happened. I came home and I told Don, thinking that he'd be like, yeah, haha, Nancy, that's crazy. But he was like, you know what? I, I think I'm ready for a change. I'm trusting that God is calling us to this place. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. We will continue this conversation tomorrow. Be sure to come back and hear the rest. See you next time.